talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. And welcome back to Messy Christianity. Gentlemen, it's that time again. It is that time again. Welcome to the new year. We are yep. in 2021. What's changed for you? Nothing. Nothing? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know, maybe. But uh, no. <laughs> Am I not? Yeah, pull that mic away just a little bit. I'm too hot. Yeah, you're t- <laughs> Jeff just called me too hot. <laughs> Kevin is too hot. All right, we're good? Too is legit. Too quick. Is that better? Yeah, better. Right. Hey, so today's podcast, we actually uh, were talking about a little bit earlier. We said, hey, we know so little about this. We ought to just talk about it live. Small <laughs> groups. What do small groups look like? That's an intro. In 2021. <laughs> Hang on with us. All right. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. And, and I think the reason I want to talk about this on a podcast is because I know that other pastors are dealing with the same exact thing. And I know that probably a lot of church members are wondering, hey, what about small groups? And so let's let's just throw it into the mix here. What what is going to happen or what is happening with small groups? And I'm we're talking about Sunday school, we're talking about Bible study, we're talking about home groups, yeah. all of the above. What's it going to look like and uh, what kind of challenges are we going to or are we currently facing? Well, let's just throw it out there. It's COVID, <laughs> COVID right? Yeah. So here we are COVID. in the United States as we're Recording this, we're about 10 months into the first shutdown, and 10 months ago, 11 months ago, 12 months ago, our our idea of what today would look like from a small group perspective is radically different because we had visions and directions and ideas of what we wanted to see and how many people we wanted involved in small groups and our own, even the definition of them, I think may have changed a little bit to, you know, we're living in a, in a world currently where small groups are, this not family is frowned upon by a lot of people mm-hmm. simply because of the of the spread of the vaccine, of not the vaccine, but the virus, <laughs> the lack of the vaccine. Well, yeah. we'll not say it. <laughs> spread of the topic. vaccine. Do. Yeah. So what would be considered success? Okay, take away COVID, take away ordinary COVID. church life, what percentage of church members in a small group of any kind what would be considered a success or a win for a church? 100%. Well, let's... Yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah. We I don't define, think that's possible. It's not ever. reality, but that We have is. to define what we mean by small group, though, because you you alluded to it a little bit in the opening, but what qualifies as a small group? Uh, you, for us at StoryPoint, we've basically had, I guess, two. Uh, First Baptist and StoryPoint have two distinct small groups. We have what has traditionally been called Sunday school. So it's a, you know, a Bible study group that happens either before service or after service on a Sunday morning. We also have some smaller groups tied in with First Baptist, such as the WMU and you know, Thursday morning Bible studies that have happened, and most of those are considered small group, 10 to 15 or so. And then on the other side, we've had what we've labeled as root groups, which are life groups, small groups that happen outside of the church, typically on a Sunday evening, could happen on any evening uh, or any other day of the week. And so we would have groups of families that Mm -hmm. met met together, and that you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 people in those groups as well. So that's kind of how we, mm-hmm. not that we say that's what small groups are, but that's what we have had available for small groups. Mm. 
Yeah, so using that definition of small groups, which is relatively broad, um, there is a recent study, I think, came out in 2019. And, you know, studies studies are studies, right? You, you either choose to believe them or not. But I think this is probably right. Um, it says that uh, a healthy, it's been observed that a healthy church has an average of 40 to 50% of their adults in a small group of some sort. Um, and actually, for larger churches, that number um, drops. So um, if, if you have more than 60%, you are doing super, mm-hmm. super well. So January of 2020, our church, by that definition, was doing super, super well. Because we were averaging probably 70% yeah. between First Baptist and Story Point that were involved in either home the Sunday school or the home yeah. root group. Yeah, well, I don't know if we, we, I don't know if it would be healthy, not healthy, but it warrant this conversation. But it, let's just go back a little bit on the origin origin of small groups for churches. So churches used to do Sunday school. Sunday school used to be um, for children, and there's this thing called Flakes Formula. Mm-hmm. Remember that in seminary? Mm-hmm. That was Absolutely. a long time ago, but Going back. I don't yeah. remember what it means. I remember yeah. the name. No, it, it was the idea that. Sunday school was the evangelistic arm of the church. Sunday school being the Bible study before the uh, the service on Sunday. Right. Uh, it was just for children, and then they started realizing, hey, let's do this for adults as well. And back in the heyday of evangelical churches, anyway, Southern Baptist churches, I guess I'd be more specific. So in the 80s and 90s, Sunday, well, not the 90s, but the 80s, Sunday school was the big push. Yeah. I mean, your success as a church was right. directly proportional to the amount of people you had in Sunday school, because that was where evangelism was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. That was that was the the uh, I guess the beginning of what has morphed into what we now call Bible study and or small groups. Mm-hmm. Small groups. There's been a big push to move that off campus from a Sunday school class to a home group or a um, what are the different names? You got home group, you cell got small groups, group, cell group, life group, life group, yeah, community group. Yeah. And so click. the idea of cell groups came. Just kidding. Yeah, click. <laughs> Sorry. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> well, but you know what? That that actually is a real uh, yeah, criticism of it. I didn't want and to send that squirrel down. But no, yeah, but, but it's yeah. true because yeah. I, th- I think we have to look at this fairly if we're going to yeah. look at it. So cell groups really became a big deal when the report came out of Korea that the largest church yeah. in Korea, and it might have been the largest church in the world. Ru- I think world, it was in the world, yeah. Uh, you know, upwards of 50,000, 100,000 yeah. even people and cell groups was the way that they did that. Right. And so churches in the United States and in other parts of the world, they started saying, well, let's just do cell groups. Yeah. It, and a lot of books were written on it. North Point, Saddleback, Willow Creek. I mean, a lot of them started writing the books on the cell group movement. But none of us have personally seen real success in terms of church growth that, ha- that has come out of cell groups. That's a fair statement, right? In my own if you look personal at, ministry. But I, but I do, I, I have friends in other states that are, that love, love, love their home group. So it's working in places. Now, maybe it's just working in their group and not the whole church. I don't know. I mean, I don't have enough data. Well, there's two different things that. also that we're talking about. Jeff, you mentioned numerical growth for the church based on the support or, or the life or the activity of those smaller groups outside the home. Kevin, you're referring more to... Uh, ministry happening 
inside of those and people enjoying them and the yeah. fellowship and the ministry that's actually taking place out of it. So it's really two different ways, and, and it kind of goes back to the purpose behind these groups. Are is, is the purpose evangelism? Well, probably not. Even Sunday school itself would not follow under that definition anymore. Sunday school itself, in, in our culture, has really become more of the discipleship tool instead of the evangelism tool. And I think the same thing has happened a lot in these root groups, life groups, is that it's become a fellowship and discipleship type of model versus an evangelistic outreach designed to grow the numerically grow the people that attend and are part of the church. And so you know it the the purpose behind it, I think, would warrant one church to say it was successful for us and another church to say it was not successful of us for us and that that you can't necessarily equate them mm-hmm. to each other because what was the heartbeat and the reason behind them in each of those settings to begin with does that make sense absolutely yeah mm-hmm. you know a, a a question i throw this out here that does relate in my mind um to the subject is i think one of the key questions is what is a church i mean how, well, how do we define church? No, how do we define oh, a church? No, it's a great question, but my gosh, that that's like going down the rabbit hole. Well, but two hundred yards. Yeah, but, in but my it's head, a, it's a valid question because what what defines a church? If if ten people meet in a home every week, break bread together, open the Word of God together, and study, do communion, whatever they do, you know, do all the do all the things we do. Is that a congregation? If a congregation meets every week and runs 8,000 people and they come to a service, and that's all they do. But so you changed terminology. Is you that went a church? from congregation and church. Well, okay, so. Because I think, I think they are different. I think they are different. But great question. So a church historically would, would be defined as a collection of God's people who celebrated the sacraments together. I mean, that, that's the most basic definition you could have, right? Sacraments being baptism, yeah, communion. I, I see I might go a step farther with um you know being the body, being the body of Christ with with all of the giftedness, you know, coming together. Um you know, so Ooh, but now that's a question. Are you a church if you don't act like a church? So if if so there's going to be a lot of rabbit trails on this. So define <laughs> yeah. acting like a church. You know? Okay, well, if, if you just go back with the five functions of the church as defined in um, from coming out of Saddleback using Acts 2 um, as as the model, right? It's, it's Evangelism, fellowship, worship, worship, discipleship, ministry. Ministry, okay. Yeah. So if a church is doing two of the five, are they still a church? I mean, they're missing... Two th- uh, or or three fifths of the the right. purpose of the church, and, that, and and that was kind of my original that was the original point. point yeah. Well, it, I wasn't thinking the five, but but that was kind of thinking along those lines. Is you know, it, it, so the number like eight thousand, ten thousand people sit under a teaching, good teaching every week. They're getting fed. They're getting the word of God taught, and they're and they're worshiping. But are they in fellowship with other people? Are they actually being able to serve and use the gifts that God has given them? So are they, <laughs> and here's, the, here's my question, are they a part of a church? Are they an observer? 
to a church. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? Well, if the church is the collection of the Christ followers, then they would be part of the church. But whether or not they're walking uh, in in the fullness of being a Christ follower, then right. absolutely not. Just because we gather together just because an individual gathers with other Christ followers does not mean that they're walking in holiness and purity and chasing after the things of God. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's you know part of the Western model that we have here for, for church. It has become, in a lot of places, simply a gathering that I, I have a chance to participate in because I'm there, and that's the extent of participation. Yeah. It's, it's no different than uh, going to a, a concert or going mm-hmm. to... Um, a, a Christian festival where you have Christian music and you have a Christian speaker. I mean, it's it's just I do it weekly versus paying X number of dollars to go to the parade grounds to see mm-hmm. so-and-so. So it would be the article before the noun, essentially. Are we talking about the church or are we talking about a church? Because I do think it's two distinct things. The church would be God's people, all of God's people. So you mm-hmm. are part of the church. Right. You are part of the church. I am part of the church, and it's the church, the body of Christ, is worldwide. Church universal. Church universal. So that would be the Catholic Church, big C, not the Roman Catholic, (laughs) but if you look in church history, that's the way they would say it. Universal church. The Holy Catholic Church, that would be the big C church. Mm -hmm. So a church, though, would be a local body or a congregation Mm -hmm. of the church. And so we have multiple congregations. We have one church. So then the question would be is, is it, does a small group at home constitute a congregation? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, and, essentially? I, and, 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 and what, I, that num- what that number is to be considered a congregation. I don't think there is. A, biblically, there's not a number. No. I mean, yeah. you don't have any definition of local body. Matter of fact, it, the 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 scripture was written most of the time. The epistles and mm-hmm. um, the different letters it was written to the church in a city. So yeah. to the church in Colossia, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, or the or church in Philippi, or, or yeah. Ephesus. Yeah, and even there, that the, that that church that was meeting there was made up of multiple, multiple small groups that met under the tree <laughs> over at Uncle Joe's, you know? Yeah, just I mean, like all pra- over town, pragmatically, so. they would have yeah. had to have been because they yeah. could not all meet together right. in one home. If you, well, look in Acts, you had 3,000 believers in one day. Now, we do know that there were there were buildings, there were temples, there were, I mean, we saw some of them when we went over to Israel. Yeah, but none of them but, would have held 3,000 right, people. Right, exactly. So that would have been outdoors... That's why Jesus taught out probably on the mountainside. I mean, there was no building big enough to hold 5,000 men, let alone the women and children. So that is an interesting question. Well, so my illustration earlier, church runs 8,000, 10,000 people, but yet the same people that are there, let's say they get the 40% or 50% that those people, those 8,000, some of them are in a small group and they're sitting with 15 people around a living room. I would say around that living room where they're actually, uh, they know each other and they are doing life together. That, to me, that this is my opinion, I believe that is more definition of the church than the big group gathering. Not that the big group gathering's bad, but are they really, I mean, it goes back to like, what is what is the church, you know? Um, to, to me, or what is a gathering of the church? Yeah, because we're now talking about the function of the church, and then the fun, the the, you know, because you got the function of worship, you've got the function of, um, 
I think service or ministry or or evangelism. Yeah, I, I think where I'm coming from is I, it seems that that there's been a to me a, a redefinition of of the church over the years, even in my lifetime, and it's become more of a um, a, a Sunday centric gathering. Like, and that's not wrong. I mean, I, I, that, that's a good thing. It's probably incomplete though. But it's incomplete, that, and I think that's my point. Is so, I think. What we have done is maybe possibly raised a, a culture that associates church as being, I'll put in my hour this Sunday morning, and I'm not trying to, to down people because that's a great start. I mean, that's that's a good thing, but there's so much more. Church is life on life. Church is people to people. Church is me using my gifts that you don't have and you using your gifts that I don't have, and we are able to use those. And I don't know that you get that in, I keep saying 8,000, but I don't think you get that in 200 people, you know, unless you break that down into just, just by the way we do it, you know, come in, pray, sing a song, give some announcements, pray some more, (laughs) some more song, preach a sermon and everybody goes home. You have lobby time and that's about it. Hmm. Well, I think part of what we're dealing with is when the church was founded back in 33 AD, there were not major cities like we have major cities today. Um, And even within major cities, you did not have the same kind of disconnect that you have today. True. You didn't have transportation unless it had four legs uh, or two wheels that were pulled by four legs. And you didn't leave the house very far. Didn't know. go very far. You didn't travel the world unless yeah. you were a salesman or, or something. And even then, you know, you'd leave your family behind and you, you'd start walking. You might get somewhere uh, six months or eight months later. Mm-hmm. And so for the most part, people were already in community. Agreed. With their own community. Yeah. You um, could even take that up to colonial America, I would say. I yeah. Mean, like you, it's... It, still the same. So up into the 21st century, that was the way it is. Um, And so the idea of meeting together as the church was really just a natural extension of the community already, because they they didn't have the entertainment that we have. They didn't have the uh, the distractions that we had. You know, most places would have a one-room schoolhouse, or they would have... Mm -hmm. Um, well, the church, truly, even in Colonial it America, it was the center. Yes. It literally, actually, years ago, a friend of mine and I, we thought about starting a church, and we wanted to call it the center, you know, just being the center of the town idea again. But, um, hey, right, right humble. Yeah, hey, right. <laughs> That's interesting, though, because we're now looking at a totally different world and a totally different paradigm in which we're still supposed to be and mm-hmm. act and live as the original church was given the reason to, to, to exist. Mm-hmm. So our mission hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is the, uh, complicated. the circumstances yeah. in, by which we yeah. have to do the mission. So I wonder what we currently do that is totally out of sync with being effective in our own circumstance. Wow. What do you mean by that? I mean, how much of what we do as church, we're doing... Based on tradition versus the need of community? Well, based on tradition or based on, you know, this is what what we know, is what we see. 
as opposed to, okay, how do we need to do it today in 2021? And so maybe the idea of small group is a foreign idea because maybe it doesn't work anymore. I would I'm not— I'm just saying maybe. Yeah, and I, I would not agree with that based on what we see in the community as far as other smaller groups that interact. I mean, you look at the sports teams yeah, in, in, in our area with children on them, they're constant smaller groups. But, but they're, be, they're built around an activity, not around getting together. That's not a social group. They're only together to be a team to accomplish something. Yeah, but he's, he's kind of like these traveling ball teams. I mean, I meet some of these parents. <laughs> they party when they go to towns and stuff. I mean, yeah. it becomes social. But would now. they meet to party if it weren't for the no, fact that they're prob- a team? Probably not. But once, So the but, mission drives the, the relationship, I guess. Yeah, but I'm once saying. the relationships are formed, then they don't mind traveling because it's actually fun. Yeah. So, it's, it's the association of common interest. And so is Christianity, is discipleship, is passionately pursuing Jesus— a commonality of interest for a group to be able to live life together is are they unique enough as individuals are they drawn together enough as individuals do they have the same common purpose and goal of christianity that that causes them a and and cultivates a desire to want to be together i think about in our circumstances at at, at the church with some folks in First Baptist that do a Thursday morning Bible study, and they've been doing that longer than I've been here, and that's yeah. over 10 years now. And they continue to get together. Why? <laughs> it's a commonality of interest. It's living life together. Yeah. It's the, the, the feeding off of each other and pointing each other to Christ. And all of it's not Christ-centric. They enjoy being together well, they go to lunch because they've Friday, lived life yeah. together. But... The commonality of interest there is what has spurred it and connected it, mm-hmm. and and why after ten years these folks are still getting together and it's still actively mm-hmm. happening. Whereas other groups, you know, where we have a commonality of interest when it comes to the ball sport. Well, sports season's over. See you next year. We'll get back together and we'll continue it. And I kind of think that's what's happened to Christianity in a lot of ways in our culture is, you know, it's kind of seasonal. When things are good and, and summer's here, well, we'll just kind of do our own thing. And then once school starts back and everything gets back to normal, that's when we'll get back into the normal routine of meeting together as Christ followers. And so because of the uh, the culture and what's happening in our world, suddenly that's what dictates whether or not there's an interest to be together, because that's the norm. And that's what we, we kind of expect. School season, school season, then we're together as Christ followers. Summertime, we're scattered. We go about. It's not as an, it's not a, a priority anymore. That's just an example. You know, it's odd, because I really do believe with everything. I mean, one of the things that is needed more in our world than ever is connections and yeah. relationships. And it's not a drum we're beating for the first time. Like we've been beating that drum forever, but but it's the one thing that's so hard to to to, to accomplish. <laughs> I mean, it, the average American gets off work at five, maybe has an hour commute. Oh, by the way, the kids are in dance and ball and you know and band and everything else, and the little ones got to have a bath by seven thirty, so they go to bed at eight. I mean. It, 
the rat race is, it has always been around, but it does seem to be more. And then, you know, <laughs> this is depressing. Like a minute goes by a day, a month, a year, and, <clears throat> and then it, it's just stuck and, and relationships just are put on the, on the shelf. But you know, I think people do what they truly value. I think that, that the fruit of what you value is evident. And so it's, it's like the person who uh, has some extra pounds and they say, man, I really want to, I really want to become skinnier. I want to reach a a lower, lower weight. But I value cheesecake. Yeah. Well, and and that's the truth. (laughs) They, they, it it is, it is aspirational through their, through their lips, but it is not a real value that is strong enough to where they say, I'm, I, I want to do that more than I want to do this. And, and I, I just use that as an easy example, but anything, you know, it's somebody who says, you know, I value my church. Okay, you come once or twice a month. Yeah, but I have other things the other times. Right. Okay, well, then let's just be honest. The value that you say you have is a lesser value than what you actually say. Because if you really value something, you will make time. And I'm not just, I'm, I'm saying yeah, with anything in life. I get it. Yeah. I value my family. Okay. Right. Then show me you value your family. Right. Because if, if you're actions don't follow what you say well actions always speak louder than words so i wonder if people who say i value relationship do they really value them if if they're not doing what it takes and that might probably sounded harsher than i really well, it also it depends to on to what extreme do i value relationships do i value relationships enough to be part of a smaller group that sits around and has bible study that's typically what we see on Sunday morning with a, a Sunday school. There's a different level when it comes to an expectation of a smaller group that meets outside the home because suddenly, whether it's verbalized or not, there's this internal suggestion bouncing around in our brains that says, this requires vulnerability. Yeah. And if I'm not willing to have a relationship with people, uh, whatever that group of people happen to be or what they represent, and I'm not willing to be vulnerable in that situation, then it's it's another gathering just like the ball team that's here today and gone tomorrow, and we can be connected because we're talking about the sport or we're talking about the league and we're on the same page, but there's very little vulnerability that happens in those type of groups. In the Christian bubble, the Christian circle, we're expecting or we're internally expecting vulnerability. And that is one of the very difficult things about our culture and our world. Vulnerability is not glorified. It's not, um, it's not promoted as a healthy thing. Yeah, now, nobody in, says, in the psych- I want to be vulnerable. Well, in, you know, in the psychiatric circle, circle, of course it is, because that's where, uh, you know, it, you need to have vulnerability, but a vulnerability and accountability, my goodness, I'm accountable to my boss all day long for doing my job. I don't want more accountability. Yeah. I've got my family at home and I've got my boss at work. I'm accountability out. <laughs> I don't want any more. And yet, to truly grow in our relationship with Christ and be effective in our Christian walk, there has to be. I mean, my goodness, look at the, you know, we talk about access to um, uh, Internet and, and, and media right now from a negative perspective. Look at it from a positive perspective. How many YouTube videos of 
pre- preachers are there readily exe- accessible yeah. at the punch of a couple of buttons. It's everywhere. Podcasts, um, yeah. online church services, on yeah. and on and on and on. And I can get my Jesus... I don't want to say that because that's going to... Jesus fix? I was going to go that route, but <laughs> I I think that's for some. But others who... who I've been vulnerable. I've been hurt. I'm not yeah. willing to do a small, smaller mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. It's very safe. I can go watch such and such preacher on their television show or their podcast or their YouTube service, and I can get Jesus preached to me, and I can be encouraged and equipped, and I can go conquer the world, but I don't have any vulnerability responsibilities through that. But, but yes, and and then that same person can go and watch um, their social media and and long for you know like yeah. a like or a comment, and, and and that's a false connection. <laughs> yeah. That but they're still feeding, they're still wanting connection. Or go watch a movie and watch other people making connections and sit there and tear up about their connections, you know, because there's something internal going. I need that in my life, but I'm gonna watch another movie, you know. And how many connections? do I really want? Is my connection with my, my spouse and my children enough? And for some, a lot of people it is. I don't need other connections outside of that. Everything else is a superfluous connection. It's just one more reach out there. As long as I have a, um, a, a stationary, healthy and home environment, then those other connections aren't as needed. And a lot of people that are striving and desiring those other connections either come from a broken, messed up, life at home or the kids are out of the house and I don't have that anymore. And now the connections that I used to have, I no longer have. And so now that's, that's the ones I I, I think tend to be striving more for the, I wish I had those other connections that are out there. But as lovingly as I can say this to the listeners, I would say that those connections are what is needed to function as the church. I mean, I really do believe, I mean, family's great. Family's awesome, but I need somebody with these other gifts in my life. Yeah, well, there, well, there's a different perspective when you have strangers. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about listening to sermons online and all that is that's great except for the fact that I then become the person who overrides what God might be doing. Because what, here's what I mean by that. If, if I'm listening in my car to a message and I don't like what he's saying, all mm-hmm. i got to do is push stop, yeah. and I can change the channel. Mm-hmm. But if I go somewhere and I'm sitting with somebody and I'm listening, the chances of me leaving in that uncomfortable moment, which very likely might be Holy Spirit conviction, then then it, the chances of me getting up and leaving are probably not as great. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen and I'm going to give God more space to work yeah. as opposed to the first thought of, I don't like this guy because I can blame audio quality. I've got to go yeah. to my shop. You know, there's just, you cannot give partial attention and expect to get full benefit it's not right. possible yeah and when or, i do church- have you ever had you ever had somebody come i know you have you come three days later and thank you pastor for that sermon when you said such and such on sunday it really changed my life in this way and it has nothing to do with what you talked yeah, about at all, all the so, time. so the interpretation is up to the listener then with nobody else no other group around you to to that's not what he said at all. <laughs> yeah, and, and, there, and if you don't have other people keeping you in check, yeah. you basically become your own interpreter, uh, your right. own judge and jury. Yeah. Yeah. And we're we're either going to be too harsh on ourselves, yeah. or we're going to be too easy. Yes, and that's why the body is so important. Agreed. Which I think is why small groups are so important. And yes. we are out of time. Beat that. And drum. I don't feel like we even got started.
<laughs> That's uh, interesting. So let, maybe we'll have to continue this another time because we really mm-hmm. did not answer the question. But I think we opened the can of worms yeah. that is right in the middle of the room anyways. Right now during COVID, practical advice, your small group may be three people. But yeah. just do what you can. It's still important. It's that important. You can do it. You can do it. Brent, any final words of wisdom? Nope. I've, <laughs> I've poured it all out. Yeah. I'm actually very disappointed in your attire today. Both of you were very mm-hmm. um, normally dressed. There's no superheroes. Mm-hmm. There's no strange colors. There's no cardigan. It's New Year's resolution to be blah. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, I am dapper, as always. So. Yeah, you are. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. We talk about life, love, <laughs> Do we? Liberty Something. and everything. Life, no, it's life, faith, and everything oh in between. Be a little while. <laughs> we All will right. see you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between. Want to know more? Check us out at www.storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com.